Welcome to the Shepherd's Crook Podcast. The Shepherd's Crook exists to provide care, counsel, and resources for pastors. You can get more information at theshepherdscrook.co. My name is Jared Sparks, and I'm a pastor coming alongside other pastors, reminding them of the chief pastor. Welcome to the Shepherd's Crook Podcast. I'm excited to have a return guest with me. And I actually got to spend a little bit of time with this guy a couple months, or not a couple months ago, last month. I'm getting to talk to my friend, Kevin Lovegreen. Kevin, how's it going? It is going fantastic. Good to be here with you. Good deal. Well, I'm excited to hear about the new books that you have written. Excited to be, hear about your hunting adventures this year and so much more. But let's go ahead and start with prayer, and then we'll get into that. Father, we just thank you so much for this time that we have to talk. I pray for everyone that's listening in. God, I pray that this would be an encouragement and a challenge to them. God, as we're raising sons and daughters, the work that Kevin's doing with writing, God, I pray that books like that would be helpful. I pray that you'd help us to invite our children and grandchildren and nieces and nephews into a world of, of reading and a life of books and adventure that we can find there and uh, that that would translate into real life. So I thank you for the work that Kevin's doing with hunting and fishing books. And, and it's just a lot of fun being able to read those and then get to be able to meet him and, and talk with him again. So I pray blessing upon this conversation. Trust that you'll lead us. It's in Jesus name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, for the guys that may be new to the show and hadn't heard the first interview that we had of you last year, would you go ahead and give us an update? Tell us a little bit about yourself again, and then tell us about what you're doing with your writing. Yeah, the, the uh, very quick version of it is I ran a family business, metal fabrication, and I'm moving in installing equipment for about 20 years. My grandparents started in 1948 and ran it with my older brother and my brother-in-law. I sold out to my brother now about 11 years ago. It's crazy how time flies. I needed something to do. Long story short, we won't get into it, but it was kind of magical uh, discovery is that I ended up deciding to write children's books because of a journal I started when I was 12 about all my hunting and fishing adventures. So I wrote my first book about my first white-tailed deer hunt. The rest is history, I guess, because now I just finished up my 15th book. And matter of fact, just yesterday, I finished up number 16. It's going to the editor. Well, congratulations. Uh, so, yeah, so started writing books. And then it kind of cool in the last 10 years also because of all my business background, I ended up being a business coach and got involved in business peer groups where we'd surround ourselves with 10 to 12 different business owners. And I would lead the groups and try to inspire them on being better business leaders and getting things done. So I had a lot of fun with that for about six, seven years after that also. But now the books have been a full-time job and uh, COVID actually hit the brakes on a lot of that stuff too. The one-on-one -on -one coaching just wasn't happening. So 100% of my time right now is uh, hunting, fishing, and writing books. And that's phenomenal. Last year, I think you were at book number 11. So you've been pumping them out. I mean, that's what I mean, COVID did that for a lot of folks. It kind of ramped up what they're, you know, we got to build, build either a second a build, a business, a secondary income or something, but you already had this in line and it worked out pretty well. So I mean, you pumped out four new books. That's pretty great. Yeah, it, it was, it was, I'm going to say COVID was a, well, it was, it was 100% blessing for me. And I'm even going to say my family, I was so lucky that my daughter is 24 was home teaching from home. My son, 21, was home from college, and then he got stuck at home, so he was here. And we had her, my daughter's friend, Cheney, living with us, who was 24. So she was working remotely out of the house, so we were all here together. My wife would go to school. She's a cool principal, and she was the only one that was kind of kept a regular routine. But COVID was, uh, was a good time to focus on family and writing, and the book world just exploded because kids were home and they needed books in their hands. 
Yeah, you told me that your shipments, I mean, you've been doing really well and then it just went, I mean, through the roof. I mean, it was crazy. I look back and I, I think the numbers were, we were doing about 3,000 books a month and we literally in two or three months jumped up to about 26,000 books a month. It was crazy. Unbelievable. Out of hand, I had to hire four, four shipping gals who were shipping out of my basement and it was, uh, <laughs> and, it's, and it's not slowed down that much. That's the neat thing. We're still rock and rolling. My gals just walked out the door. They've been in today and another big bunch of shipments so it's been working good awesome so what can you tell us about the newest book that just went to the pup or the editor the newest one is a pheasant hunting book so i've been asked a lot for the last couple of years i've got a reseller that sells a lot of books to schools in the north dakota south dakota area he's been begging me for a pheasant hunting book i finally did it it was a it's a unique book and my deals for the for those of you lucky luke's hunting adventures are all based on true stories that happened to me or my family now the curveball I keep throwing is that Crystal, 24, loves deer hunting, but she doesn't do much other hunting. Well, I keep bringing her into the hunts and I wanna add that, that's why they're fiction. But so this one challenged me a little bit. I had Crystal, Lucky Luke, who's now 21, but I had them all as younger kids. And then my friend's daughter and son also. So I had a group of us going out there to a spot we've been going out in South Dakota for years, but I had to make the events be there with the kids. And that challenged the heck out of me when I try to add those oh, yeah. uh, fiction stuff to it. But that's what it's all about. It was a, I tried to make it fun and throw some twists in there. And, and uh, my grand, my uh, buddy's grandparents live out there, lived out there, they've passed away now. And uh, we just had a, it was fun for me to describe the farm and the animals and the chickens and the meals she would cook and everything about the whole event of pheasant hunting. And it really fired me up because I'm leaving on Tuesday to go to North Dakota pheasant hunting for four days. So I'm excited. Awesome. Well, that's very cool. I love what you're doing because you're rec recruiting young boys and girls out into the wild. And I love this because I've been trying to encourage guys into the woods and into hunting because I'd spent 35 years playing a lot of sports and ate, drank, slept sports. And when I had an older guy come into my life and said, Hey, why don't you come out and hunt? I had never done that before. I'd been around guns. I'd been out in the woods, but I just hadn't put that together. And I went out and had my first hunt and it was uh, the thought hit me. Where's this been my whole life? And I seen the, uh, the statistics still are sitting at between three and 4% of the population in America are, are hunting. So there's a small percentage and a waning percentage of people that are hunting. So I love what you're doing, recruit, recruiting people in. Do you get regular stories of people who have read your books, maybe dads that got inspired to take their kids out or, or anything like that? Do those come into you? And what, what's that like when you get a story like that? Yeah, it's very exciting. What's happened to me a lot is that I get a mom typically emailing me saying, you came to my kid's school. He came home so fired up. Now he wants to go turkey hunting. What do I do? Oh, awesome. <laughs> I'm like, awesome. Oh. And they, they always ask, will you please take them? I'm like, I can't take everybody hunting, but <laughs> then I'll try to get my idea how to go to their local. Our, our states have great websites that have all kinds of information on them. So yes, I get that a lot. I also love it when I get a kid to email me especially uh, girls that'll say, oh my gosh, I went home and my grandpa took me hunting for the first time. It was so much fun. Awesome. And it just, yeah, it warms my heart because it's so exciting that these kids are doing it. So it is, it's working. That's cool. <laughs> and it's and fun. It, the kids just need to understand that it can be exciting. My newest book that just came out is First Deer Cheer. And that's all about Crystal and her friend Megan's first deer hunt. Awesome. Upwriting it because it really happened. We used to take these kids out when they're 10, 11 years old. In Minnesota, we had a youth deer hunt that was in October. So it didn't interfere with our big November hunt. And we got to take these kids out and they had so much fun going after does. 
And I love writing the book. And it so far has been my best selling off the chart book that took off. And the girls just love to read about being the outdoors. I try to really emphasize the fact that girls can do it. Yes, that's cool. Right. That's cool. Well, I've got a daughter now and I'm excited to see as she grows up. Okay. Is she going to want to sit in the stand with me? Is she wanting to go out with me? Cause ransom, I just took ransom out earlier this week and we were sitting there for just a few hours. We made it for like two hours, almost two hours. And we saw a really nice one. We got, we saw a really nice buck about 30 yards out. I didn't get a shot on him. And we saw a few does. We actually called a doe in with a fawn call. And I asked him, you know, did you like that buddy? You can be a hundred percent honest with me. He's like, I liked seeing the deer dad, but that was it. And I found out at seven, he's just not old enough yet. He's just not old enough to sit there and enjoy it. So it's going to be interesting to see between him and Valor and then Providence, who's going to really, you know, if, if any of them, I think they will, because they, they see me and love it and enjoy it. And so I think they're really going to enjoy it, but it's going to be interesting to see the different difference with their personalities, see which one likes doing which thing. Mm-hmm. So, um, okay. So I, this is a, if, for those that are listening in and you're kind of connecting the dots here, Kevin is the guy, my buddy that I went and did the bear hunt up north. And I can also agree with you, the Minnesota uh, Wildlife or the website that I got the tag from did a phenomenal job of laying out, laying it out there. It was really easy to figure that out. Had a lot of really good information on there, but I loved being able to go up there. I'd never been bear hunting and, you know, Kevin was gracious enough to show me the ropes. And I have told so many people that story and it was so incredible. So you've been out bear hunting. I want to hear about hunting adventures this year, because I know you, you were telling me before we were online here that you haven't got a bear yet this year, but you have got to do some other trips. So tell us about your hunting trips this year. Let's hear some good stories. Well, I'm going to tell you the exciting one because this one got me. I, okay. you know, we've got some huge bear on our property. As you very well know, we watch on the trail cameras and I've been just relayed this one bear I've been trying for a couple of years. He's got to be 600 pounds while I'm sitting in the stand. It's getting dark. I bring my bow with me and my gun because once it gets a little bit dark, you sometimes can't see through your bow sight. So I put my bow away. All of a sudden I look up and I see movement and I put my binoculars up and there it is, the big bear. I'm like, oh my goodness, my heart starts pounding. <laughs> and all of a sudden as I'm going to grab my gun, it walks away to my right and disappears. It's only 50 yards away. So I put my binoculars back up and then two cubs come on. And I'm like, oh, no. And in Minnesota, you can't shoot a mom with cubs. And that's fine. Well, then they walk out to the bait and they're there 30 yards. She lays down. They like, well, the cubs are 120, 30 pounds. They're big cubs. So I'm super confused why the cubs are even with mom. Something scares them. And they turn and run right at me. And she stands 10 feet below my stand, looks up at me, and then starts going, making noise. I'm like, oh, no. And at that point, I'd already realized I forgot my headlamp. So now it's getting dark and I have no light to get oh, out of no. the And she sat there and snuck behind a tree six yards away and she wouldn't leave. I'm like, oh, no. So my heart was pounding. It started to get cold. I'm shaking going, oh, my gosh. So I had to call my buddy and my cousin to come and get me out of the no stand. No way. I wasn't getting out. <laughs> well, so I was so when I was up there, I was nervous because after I was sitting there at the last night and in that tall stand, like the big stand, and I knew there was a bear on the other side of this, these, this corn. And I had to walk right past, you know, right past him. It got dark and it was nerve wracking. I mean, I'm, you're walking back to the side by side and you're thinking, man, is he tracking me down? And, oh gosh, well, that's, that's wild. So well, I know you got to go. It's so big that, I mean, she's a 500 pounder for sure. And gosh. everybody knows you don't want to mess with a mom and cubs. That's all there's to it. Right. No kidding. No, no light. So anyway, that was my encounter so far. And then my cousin got to see the two cubs the next day at his bait, the other bait, the bait where you got yours. Yeah, yeah, right. showed up. 
Okay. And mom was not with them, so I don't know what's going on there. But uh, now they're back in the cameras. And anyway, so that's my bear hunt. I'm still trying. We got another weekend or two left, I think. Awesome. And you, I've been seeing all the pictures come in through September of elk hunts. You did get to go elk hunting, but you, did you get one or not get one? So elk hunting, it, it, this is a classic. And boy, I'll tell you what, this is where faith is a beautiful thing. So I, we go out to go elk hunting. Unfortunately, my brother was, he had, we, get, we land, we flew up to Colorado. We got off the plane and he's dying coughing. He's like, God, I don't know what's going on. I'm, I, yesterday I started feeling sick. I'm like, oh my goodness. So we walked by all these COVID testing sites. Bottom line is we drove around for four hours trying to find a place to get him tested. He ended up having bronchitis, not COVID, but he just couldn't breathe enough to go up the mountain. So here oh, wow. I'm almost getting ready. He stayed back in my cousin's house. My cousin and I headed up the three and a half hour hike up our mountain, five, five miles up. And we go up to this spot where the weekend, two weeks before was opener when we were bear hunting, my brother and cousin had elk all over the place for two days. Okay. Now there was nothing. We hunted for five days and didn't see a track or an elk. I got to see one moose, thank goodness, that entertained oh, wow. me a bit. But what it caused me to do is every single day, dig deep, be super grateful for where I was and mm. what I got the ability to do and the time to do it. And that kept me going every single day. I got yeah. up and just smiled, thank God, did my prayers as I walked through the mountains. And I would stop for moments and stare at the sunrise. And even though I knew the elk weren't there, we ended up having a great trip. Awesome. Well, that's good. That's really good. Okay. Well, let's switch gears a little bit. You're a guy that has had to lead through adversity, through changing careers, and you've had uh, opportunities to coach other leaders and other business leaders. And this big word adversity really has marked almost everybody's life over the last year, no matter where people have fallen in the scope of the economy, whether they've been essential or non-essential, because of government response, there's been adversity everywhere. People have had to march through it and it's been crushing to a lot of people or people have thrived, one of the two. You know, it's, I've not met very many people who are on the fence about the last year and a half. They're passionate about something and they've had to either walk through adversity or it's crushed them. It's destroyed their business and they're having to figure out what to do and pick up the pieces. Specifically, I'm talking with pastors and they've had to lead through adversity. It's, it's been a challenge. When you have worked with business leaders, how have you coached them to stay the course and to continue moving forward when times of difficulty come their way? Because everybody gets to the point in life where they feel like wiping their hands and being done. How have you coached people through, look, you can thrive in this. You can walk through, you can, you can not only survive, but you can really thrive through this. You got to keep moving forward. Well, I would say that even... Let's see, I've even evolved, I think, since my last coaching has probably been about two years ago that I really dug in with, with business owners. But here's what I'm going to tell you is number one, surround yourself with people that are positive because mm. even through all this stuff, if if all of a sudden it's so easy to find the negative and, and so many people can do that, I have found that I'm in two different Bible studies. For some reason, each of those men are positive. And when mm. we get together and we talk, we try to really focus on scripture and, and we tend not to focus on COVID and testing and the government and all the negative stuff. The more positive people you can surround yourself with gives yourself just such a better chance to then you be positive and move forward. The other thing I'm going to say is, oh man, realizing that each of the issues you're dealing with typically in business are these world's problems. And it's not even that big of a deal when you stop and think about it. If, if you're really working for eternity and 
take each of the problems and realize they're only this world's problems. Let's figure it out. It's not life threatening. Hmm. Let's figure out one to two to three things on how we can maybe move forward through that problem and check them off the box and go. But if you dwell on them and just feel like, oh, no, I I talked to so many business owners and they, they live it. And I get it. I was there for a long time. But if you separate it and realize that, oh, this is, it's a job. We're going to figure it out. It's a problem. And that's what we're here to solve is problems. Mm -hmm. Move forward, find the positive and, and get rolling. Man, that's so good. And it's a good encouragement to me because it is easy. My goodness, is it easy to get sucked down a pessimistic road to where all you see is dumpster fires burning and you're missing what's right in front of you. You know, you're missing the gifts that the Lord has given you or you're missing opportunities to build and move forward and having guys in your corner that are putting an arm around you and saying, hey, let's go move forward. That is really, really helpful. Really helpful. Speaking of dumpster fires, I mean, I'm living right next to Minneapolis. So I, I get it. It's like, wow, it's crazy. People go, how are you living there? Well, come on, we're in the suburbs. It's very isolated. But at the end of the day, it's easy to keep talking about. Hmm. So one of the one of the things I found, I, I struggle because I kind of, how do you dig somebody out of a negative conversation? And one way that I've found that's been kind of fun is somehow all of a sudden just break it and say, hey, by the way, what's the top three things that happened to you in the last month? Hmm. <laughs> that's good. And, and just, stop them like whoa whoa, whoa what <laughs> it's funny how often people want to give you one good one and then go yeah but something else like no 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 no. i want the top three what happened what's good yeah and if you can get the momentum going all of a sudden other people jump in and they want to tell you about something that happened that was good that's so good because honestly a big part of this is getting out of the tv and getting outside and doing the th- some of the things that we're talking about doing something that isn't just consuming this it's like we welcome in the the dumpster fire. We're like, please, you know, invite me in. Let me jump in there as well. Because if you do redirect and say, you know what, let's lead the lead in the conversation and help people to get out of that by recognizing, man, here's three great things that have happened this month. That's so cool. Okay. So I, 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 the I have so many people, by the way, when I tell them about the elk hunting, when I say, oh, I didn't see an elk and didn't get one. They look at me like, no way. You're the guy that writes all these books. you got to get an elk. I'm like, you guys, you don't understand, but I still had fun. What? Yeah. No way. It couldn't have been fun. I'm like, yes, you don't, you know, you can, you can make the best out of anything. Well, that's what I'm learning too, because with hunting, you have to be able to enjoy that. Cause my first, I think the first five times I sat in the stand, I got three deer and, and five times sitting in a stand and all my buddies are like, dude, that is not normal. You got to get used to not experiencing that. And I'm starting to experience the weight and it is, it's enjoyable. You know, it really is, but it's a different thing because you go out and you can't expect that every single time you go. So how many elk then just to help people understand what's the percentage? Do you get an elk once every four times you go once every five times you go? You just about nailed it. I think I've been elk hunting for 24 years and I've got five elk. Okay. Gotcha. So it's, it's, it's really challenging to get that magical with when you're bow hunting for elk and I've gotten a couple of my muzzle loader when you're bow hunting, especially everything I've had a lot of really close encounters and mm-hmm. that's what keeps me driving. I, if I go on a trip and I see elk and hear him bugle to me, wham, I, I, that's 50% of the excitement. If I get an elk within 30 yards, even if I don't get a shot, oh my God, that's a highlight. So yeah. I've, I've had it happen, but to get one, I mean, every time I've walked up to any elk I've ever killed, I just, your heart explodes. You can't believe it because you've worked so hard for them. My first yeah. elk took me seven years to get. Wow. That's, that's interesting. Okay. So 
let's move from adversity to the word opposition. When I posted a picture of the bear hunt and you guys, let me tell you, did a great <laughs> job. You and Brandon set that picture up so well. And it looked like just such a, it was just a, it was perfect, but I got some pushback. I have some family members that were very, very upset with me and we were able to work, work it out behind the scenes, but it was an agree to disagree kind of thing where people were very upset with me. How do you face that? Because as you're talking about hunting and fishing and teaching children to do this, I can imagine if I posted one picture and got that opposition and you're posting pictures and writing books that you're having some people that, you know, that Kevin guy, I tell you what, I can't believe he's getting kids into this hunting and fishing. How do you face the opposition and then keep moving forward? Good news is I'm really lucky that I haven't seen much of it, believe it or not. Wow. And when it happens now, the, the, the one I can remember just clear as day is that I probably in a third grade class. And I was talking, I got just done with my deal. Most kids were all fired up because I've done my animal call challenge and they've heard animals and some. And this one girl walked up to me and just went, how can you kill an animal? Aren't you sad when you kill an animal? And I'm like, you know what? There are times where I get a little bit sad. But I said, but the, at the end of the day, we love eating the animals and it feeds our family. And that's so important for us. So to get out and be able to get good, healthy food, I focus on that more than the sadness. So I'm really lucky that most people, adults, haven't attacked me on it. And I don't know why, but I did see a lot of your responses, by the way. It was kind of funny. I'm like, uh-oh, here we go. But <laughs> I think all you can do is explain to people that you're right. We might disagree on this, but at the end of the mm -hmm. day, it's legal. It's healthy. Mm -hmm. It's great meat. And that's that's really been a big focus, I'd say, the last five years, that even the states are trying to explain to people, you want good organic meat? Well, mm -hmm. get it yourself. Yeah. And I know a lot of people say, bear, are you kidding? It had to be terrible. Bear meat's really good, right? It you, is. you witnessed it. It tastes mm -hmm. great. Yeah. So it, it really I was. focus on that part. I focus on my kids love it. When I, when I tell them that I used to bring venison steak out for dinner, my kids' whole lives, Chris and Luke would cheer. My wife loves it. Everybody, it's like, that makes it way easier for me to go out and get another deer when they, when yeah. they love it. Elk, everybody loves elk, bear. My wife's even skeptical a bit, but when I make it into sausage and different stuff, she goes, oh, it's good. So yeah, I, de cool. I definitely divert it by going back to the organic, supplying our family with food. That's the Joe Rogan route. And I don't know if you've seen him. What he's done is really create a group of people that have seen hunting in a different way since he started hunting and getting into that and saying, hey, listen, this is how I get my food. I would rather have my food through an ethical kill and from an animal that's not being raised on a farm and taking that route. And that's really helpful. And, you know, and trying to explain to some of my family and just saying, Hey, listen, this is a better way for an animal to die than in the wild. And I was explaining to them, I was talking to somebody recently, my friend Riley is a rancher down in, in uh, Oklahoma. And he said that the coyotes, one of the ways that calves will die is that when a, when a cow is giving birth, the coyotes will come and attack the mom and the calf. And even just explaining that, that's a difficult way to die. It's an awful way to die. And so with hunting, your goal is to do an ethical kill. And that's the best way for the animal to die because death in the wild, it really is brutal. I think a lot of people don't really see that or catch that. And uh, I think that is a good angle to take is just, man, this is organic. This is the best way you can get meat. Yep. And it's so, not easy. Yeah, it isn't <laughs> easy. That's right. You know, people here, even like with hunting with a bait or even, you know, having a, a clover field for deer, for whitetail, that that means the morning on morning opening day, you're going to walk out and then 
there's going to be 50 deer eating the clover, just waiting for you to shoot. And you could just take almost a slingshot and kill it. Like That's not how it works. Nope. They're very smart and they're, yeah, they're prepared to uh, stay away from you. And that's their goal. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. So uh, what's the future for Kevin Lovegreen? You're going to continue writing these books. You're going to continue on with stories. You're, it looks like you're venturing into some fiction a little bit, trying to think of, of other stories or, or adding some of that in. Is this, what's the plan or is it one book at a time? Yeah. One book at a time. I, I got, I have a lot more books to write. I, another a really exciting thing that I want to do, and I got to make this happen, but COVID has thrown me with this a little bit, is Crystal agreed to go to Africa with me and go on a hunt. I've never awesome. gone on a hunt and then been prepared that we're going to write a book about that hunt. And I think that'd be really cool. And she was really excited about it. She wants to figure out animals that wouldn't offend anybody necessarily. So no no lions, no giraffes, no you know, right. things like that at all. And so that is definitely on the docket. I think it'd be really cool to do. Um, and I can't remember. I got, there's three more books at least that are sitting there that I should be writing. Uh, and then of course, getting, getting into schools. I got to fly to Indiana and spent three days in Indiana visiting schools. I forgot how much I loved it. Oh, to be able to get in front of three, 400 kids again and fire them up to want to read, write, and enjoy the outdoors. That is still a passion of mine now. Yeah. So we're going to, we're, we're getting those lined up right now also. But, and then the other one, I don't know if I'm, you know, I, I think last time I had, I'm writing a couple faith books. Yeah. So Graham introduced me to my friend, Jesus. It's been a really fun, popular book for kids. Grandmas love buying it for their grandkids. Awesome. I, I, my newest one is give faith a chance. And I'll tell you, that's been a really fun book. Also, I keep kidding people. I got 2000 copies of it and somehow they got to get in people's hands. And it's been a, you know, yeah, God kind of keeps guiding me on this journey. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of funny because the more I want to focus on, on just faith, people say, well, then why are you writing the Lucky Luke books? I don't know. But somehow he keeps driving me back to that also. So I think yeah. somehow they're combined. And I believe that he's just building up the whole thing to influence as many people as possible. Well, I love that the motive there and hearing about the newest book, the motive was I got to get a way to talk to my friend. And if I can talk with my friend, you know, about Christ, then I want to find a way to do that. And then out comes this new book. And so I think that's, that's a pretty neat thing. So if a pastor has a couple kids and he's never been into hunting, but he's listening to this and saying, man, this is interesting. I asked you this last, this last time as well, but I want them to hear this. I've been encouraging guys, like this is something you really should consider doing. Yes. You can work out, you can run, you can get these other hobbies and those other hobbies can be nice, but this is something that's really special and it connects you with your food. It's something that you can do with your family. And it's something that's going to be a lifetime thing. The older you get, you can continue to hunt. It's, it's difficult to play tennis. You can play tennis into your fifties and sixties, uh, but not the same way you could when you're in your twenties and thirties. This is something that can be a lifetime thing and a legacy piece. Getting out in the woods, going hunting is something that you can pass on to your kids and your grandkids and then see that continue to go. So what's the best way? Like, where's the barrier of entry? How can guys get out and begin to learn more about hunting and then actually try it for themselves and their children? Yeah. Number one is if you can find a mentor to take you, that really is the easiest way to get into it. I've gotten, I brought up several fathers and kids now to our property to turkey hunt, because again, spring turkey hunting, it's, it's just not quite as sacred as that magical deer opener is. So it works out well for me to be able to do that. But by any just getting involved in turkey hunting, which is an easy sport to get involved in. You need a shotgun, a camel shirt. You're, you're pretty much off and running. 
Mm -hmm. That's a great introduction to the sport. So if you can find a mentor, if you can luckily find somebody that's willing to take you out and go deer hunting, that'd be great. But any way to get somebody to help you, I think is really the best way to do it. Pheasant hunting is another great one where people are pretty open to bringing somebody out. As long as you've got some good gun safety stuff, come on out. We'll show you the ropes. That's a, that's a really good way to do it. Awesome. Well, Kevin, why don't you go ahead and tell us where we can find more information about what you're doing and, uh, and then we'll call it. Yeah. KevinLoveGreen.com is our website. That's where all the books are. Um, they, you'll, you'll see them on Amazon, but I don't sell them on Amazon. So I always tell people, you know, I appreciate you coming to our website, KevinLoveGreen.com. You can see all the books. We're giving away some great discounts on our sets right now, getting ready for the holidays. The other exciting thing I got to tell you is I just figured out, I mean, told you about this, Jared, is that I found a manufacturer to manufacture a duck call and a grunt call for Lucky Luke. And they are in the midst. I've got a thousand of each of those coming. Should be here in the next two weeks. I can't wait. They sound so good. And I'm really excited to get those into kids' hands. So they'll be on the website probably in the next two, three weeks. Man, that is so cool. I'll have to check that out. And I'll have to pick up one of those grunt calls. That's pretty cool. <laughs> Guys, we've been talking to Kevin Lovegreen. Make sure to go check out his site. Buy some books for your kids. And I think you'll have a lot of fun reading them as well. And then get out in the woods. Try it out. Find a mentor. And if you're a local guy, come find me. I'd love to talk to you. We'll go out and get some coffee and, and then uh, shoot some guns and start practicing on a bow or something like that. And we'll get out and get in the woods. All right, Kevin, thanks so much. You bet. Have a great day. Thank you.